Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, the Woman's Way podcast. I'm Robin Crane, and I was a financial advisor for over a decade. But before that, I was a singer-songwriter. And now, even as a mom of three with a teenager, toddler, and a baby, I run a seven-figure business helping women in financial services grow their businesses and make a bigger impact. In this podcast, I'll bring you financial advisors, industry influencers, and highly successful entrepreneurs to give you innovative strategies designed for women. So get ready to learn how to get in front of the right people, get more ideal clients, and be able to grow your ideal business so you can live your ideal life. Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. And I am here with Rita, Rita of course, I got your last name right and I messed up your first name, Rita Kakati Shaw. Okay, I got so excited I messed up. Okay, Rita is amazing. She's an award-winning gender diversity, inclusion, and career strategist, speaker, mentor, and advisor to Fortune 500 companies. She's the founder and CEO of UMA, an international platform that partners with organizations to attract, retain, and develop women and minorities in the workforce. So there's a lot here. I mean, you got, this is like, this woman is amazing with awards, and just incredible impact. I love your background in Goldman Sachs. Instead of me reading this, because I'm very boring when I read, can you tell me a little bit more about your background and why you're so passionate about helping women in business and in the work? Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me, Robin. And, and I love the fact that you got the name right. Perfect. <laughs> Except for the first name I'm as well, but you know, that's, fine. that's, that's <laughs> part of the game. So, um, yeah, so I, I started my career. I'm from London originally. Um, I started my career in finance. I was at Goldman for about 10 years. Um, and I started off on the equities trading floor as one of very few women in pan-European sales trading. So that was my first stint ever in finance. I absolutely loved it. Um, bright eyed bushy tails straight out of university. I went, I went to King's College in London. So I started um, there. Um, early morning starts because I was covering the European market. So 5.30 a.m. I was in every day. 4.30 p.m. I was out. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a great, great um, time I had there. Um, during my time at Goldman, I actually, uh, you know, transitioned into different areas um, within the firm. I was in capital markets for a bit, within the fixed income division, um, projects, operations roles as well. So I literally got a feel for so many different roles. Um, during my time at the firm, I was very involved in diversity and inclusion issues. Um, really kind of helping to grow um, an existing women's network within the firm and also create from scratch an Asian professionals network. So that's really how I got my feet wet in diversity and inclusion issues, as well as really kind of get involved in women's issues too. Being one of few women, I wanted to kind of know how are we going to grow the presence? How are we going to get together our voices? And that's kind of how that journey started. You totally are in a different world in a very male dominated area, obviously. Like, do you have any experiences that you remember that were, you know, almost deflating to a point where you wanted to quit or you didn't want to continue? Because it sounds like you had a great experience and you loved it, as you said, yeah. but what were the points where you maybe felt like it was difficult and, and that you felt like you yourself even experienced some of those issues that other women and minorities and in general have. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing. I mean, when I first went in, I did realize that, oh, where are the other women? There were women around. It wasn't that there were none, just very, very few, um, and certainly very few women of color um, and that, or just people of color in general. And I think that's the first thing. I've always had the personality that if you want to change something, you've got to do it yourself. You've got to fix it and you've got to think of a plan in place. So I noticed this, found out within the firm that there were sort of other women around the firm that I could connect with to try and grow a women's network. 
back then, and this is the early 2000s we're talking, the Women's Network was very, had the impression or sort of um, the, um, everyone thought it was just women meeting for coffee, um, just a chat. And that was literally the impression that was given and what people had. I thought, you know, let's grow this into something professional. For example, I would love to have other women on the firm come and see what I do and vice versa. I would love to see what they're doing as well. And that's really what helped me also spread my wings and go into different areas later on because of the networks I had met. So that was really what it was. You know, it was a very male dominated field. But throughout my life and my personality, I'd always been in situations where there weren't that many men around. So I was competing against, you know, in the higher ranks to get to where I wanted to be against men. Um, so I was very used to that. That's something that never actually phased me. I was going into a trading role. So it's like I went into something that there weren't historically that many women in. But that was my personality. I love to just fit in where I am. I, I'm, you know, always been very social and personable and sort of get in there. Um, and, you know, I've always been quite an extroverted personality as well. So if there is a conversation of something that I have no idea what's going on, I can quite easily change it to something that I can get involved in. So that is something that I think takes time and experience. Um, that's what helped me along the way. But that's also what helped me later on when I mentored women myself at Goldman. And then in the future, when I started my own company to do that, when I started doing that, really, how do you get in there and turn that conversation around without hogging the limelight, but sort of being it and you kind of change it in your direction so that you're no longer on the outside, but you're very much on the inside. So that's sort of, um, I guess it's just a skill you learn along the way. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I think it is because it's not something that we're necessarily born with. And I think especially as women, you know, there's almost, I don't like to say it's an, an inherent insecurity because that sounds like we're, oh, we're born with insecurities. But I do think there's, um, typically I find that most women, we're very external, whereas a lot of men can be internal, like, oh, you know, fake it till you make it, you know, I'm good. Like, I don't need anyone else outside to tell me what, wh whether I'm good or not, or whether I'm smart or not, or gosh darn it, people like me, right? But, um, but in that world when, you know, cause I was in the industry in the financial industry for a decade as well. And like being around men all the time and feeling like, you know, you have to kind of play a certain part. Like I remember yeah. I used to wear a, a, you know, suit and a coat and a blazer, you know, trying to like, even just play the role, like, like I'll ever look like a man, but like, I didn't wear nice dresses and have kind of my own flair until I started to get that confidence. And, and I know you help a lot of women. Tell me a little about actually Uma and the role of like how you founded the, this, this company and, or in this platform and what's important to you about that and how it helps other women like this. Yeah. Way. So I mean, to your point, you know, sometimes you feel like you have to fit into a certain role to look the part but I think you know I grew up with a younger brother and part of my you know my upbringing my, my family my parents grew me up like it was fine to fall down and make a mistake but you have to pick yourself up again and I think that was what helped me later on when I entered the financial world because I used to you know rough and tumble all the time there was an expression back in the day I don't know if it's used so much anymore uh, where if you are a little bit you rough and tumble a lot you were called a tomboy that was my nickname growing up. So I'd always been out there. I'd always like, oh, I'm going to do the monkey bars and I'll fall, and I'll, but I'm going to get up and do it again. That was always who I was. So I was never afraid of going into a situation and seemingly not be good at it or fail. I would just go in there and, and see what happens. So that whole fake it till you make it, I would just be brave enough to try new things, you know? Um, so then um, to, to, to answer your question, at, after Goldman, I actually transitioned into the pharmaceutical and healthcare industry. That brought me to the States because I was traveling back and forth. I was in business development and now I live in New York City. Um, when I was in New York City, um, so I have two small children now who are five and seven. 
um, Robin. And when they were very young, I took about three and a half, four years off to raise them. And I've got to tell you that I thought working at Goldman, um, sometimes 24-7, was tough at times. I thought being in business development in the healthcare industry, crossing time zones, was tough. That was nothing compared to being a full-time mother. Oh my goodness, you know. I will commend you on that because I have... I have, well, I have a 13 year old daughter. I have a, a two and a half year old son and a four month old baby, wow. but I am no full-time mom. And I mean, I'll spend the weekend. I love hanging out with them. I love spending the weekend with them, but I'm like, I, we have a nanny and I'm like, wow, like how did you do this? It's amazing. So that's incredible that, especially with a kind of a, a business background, a go-getter background and like a do it all kind of Kind of person to be able to take off and and give it to your to your kids so that is amazing yeah that sounds really hard i'm, I'm impressed I, <laughs> I mean i go all the time i mean it's literally working 24 7 and then some always switched on never take a sick day you're just always in control you always have to do so many things so then um naturally i found myself with a new circle of mostly um mothers who had a similar background come from professional credible backgrounds who took some time off for whatever reason but you know predominantly to raise their children and they had similar stories to mine. You know, they, when they were thinking of re-entering the workforce, whether it was a former career or something new, they were faced with barriers, barriers seemingly coming from society, seemingly giving them the impression that what they did during the, the time they spent with the families was completely insignificant and not relatable to the professional workforce again. Mm -hmm. Now, having been through it, I would argue the extreme opposite. You know, not only are you very organized, you are very hardworking because you have to be on it all the time. You develop these insane skills that are completely transferable to the workforce. I mean, you know, being able to negotiate, I say it all the time, and you, you know this, Robin, that if you can negotiate with a toddler or an adolescent, there is no one on this planet you cannot take on. So just things like that, and just the ability to communicate with people of different age groups and backgrounds, you get that when you are a parent. So, Things like that are completely transferable back to the workforce. So really, I set it as my mission to do something about these barriers that very obviously do exist. Um, and I set up UMA as a result of that. Um, really an empowerment journey to really empower confidence in women and minorities. How do you inspire personal and professional success? They very much go hand in hand, as well as build leadership and resilience in women and minorities. So that was really what led to the founding of UMA. Okay. I love that. I love that. I want to hear so much more about that. So tell me about some of the strategies to help them do exactly those things, because I am, especially now with everything going on in the world and I mean, COVID and this and that, it's like, I am talking about leadership more than ever. And I truly believe that we need leaders to rise up right now, right? Because everybody's yeah. so scared. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much fear in the world. We need women especially to step up and be, even though they're scared, <clears throat> to step outside their comfort zone and be the leader they're meant to be because we need leaders right now. So tell me how you teach that. What are some strategies that you're, you're, you're giving to these women and minorities to help them do that? Because that also is another learned skill. Like we, women in, in general, I think people, but women especially, we mm -hmm. tend to beat ourselves up if we're not or we think we're not good enough when we shouldn't be good enough yet, right? I would tell a story about my daughter who, when she was five years old, she was learning the rip stick 
and she got on the ripstick for the first time and she fell off right and it just like you said you fell off the monkey bars but you got back up and we taught the same thing like get back up and you know I, my, my mom used to tell me how i climbed the jungle gym at two years old and <laughs> didn't fall off luckily but she was scared that i would but she let me do that we we let our children do those things and make their own mistakes um but with my my daughter she would get so frustrated like she should like as if she should be good at the ripstick for the first time it's hard i am still not good at it but she learned and then she'd get, you know, follow up. And then she, my husband would, you know, help kind of just like a bike, like help her stay on there and, and teach her how to do it. But every new thing she tries, she, she, she's not great at, and she's frustrated immediately that she's not great at that. And I think women in general, like we assume we should just be great at leadership or great yeah. at, you know, all these different things. So how do you teach that skill so that women can step up and be those leaders? And you know, yeah, and that's a great question. So, you know, to your point, Robin, these actually skills are something that we pick up from a childhood onwards. Um, and it's the way we look. So, for example, if I was to hang out at a playground and observe little boys and little girls and how their parents would necessarily speak to them so for example um quite often you see like you know a little girl might fall or something and it's natural oh are you okay are you okay why don't you sit down and have a snack whereas a you know a boy a little boy might fall off and you're like oh come on just get back up there you know and it's little bits of language from that age onwards that gives you an impression of that oh i felt like that's not supposed to happen maybe i shouldn't go over there maybe i shouldn't take a risk because what happens if i fall in the future so it's little messages that really start early on so i think um Part of it is, you know, what do we do with the next generation? But if you've come through the ranks now and you are now that adult thinking, what do I do? I try to almost like rewind time. So part of one of the exercises we do, we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching, mentoring and workshops um, for this. Um, and part of it is really kind of going back in time and thinking when you were pre-puberty, when you had that confidence, research has shown, Robin, that, you know, between the ages of nine and 13 is when women, girls, for the first time, start to have self-doubt, have confidence issues, you know, puberty starts saying, you know, body issues, um, they, they notice some things about them, they start kind of noticing what the other, you know, what boys think about them, whereas before they didn't care. And if you were to ask somebody before the age of nine, like, what do you want to be when you grow up, or what are your aspirations, it would be something so confident, um, something that is almost like carefree, they don't care about any barriers in the world, ask them the same question a little bit later, it would be a bit more refrained, a bit more controlled, it would be like, oh, I'm not sure, there might be hesitation in that. So what I try and do is like, to almost take people back to that moment, we all have an inner voice, we all have a passion and conviction that makes us who we are. And um, so that's the first thing, because it's like confidence, it's that inner voice is the first thing to pick up. Then we look at, okay, what does leadership actually mean? Now, there's so many different types of leadership skills out there. There is the more what we call the masculine types, where you kind of picture somebody that having the great posture, a loud voice. It's just the way they conduct themselves. So posture is a large, large part of that, the whole fake it till you make it element. But also, to be a good leader, empathy, listening, negotiation skills are very much there. And naturally, women have those it's inherent in our personalities that we have those skills so it's a matter of really bringing up and building those skills bringing in the concept of less is more speak concisely look at your body language before you go in there and just keep on at it you know if there's a fear out there of presenting or getting up there you just keep practicing that is the only way that fear is going to turn to something that just dissipates over time awesome awesome can you go back a step i'm curious about when you said you basically go pr like pre nine to age 13, whatever, to start thinking about how you were before that, when you essentially have these fears or insecurities or were concerned about what people think. 
how do you take someone back there? Because I feel like my, my go-to would be like, well, I don't know how, I don't know how, like, so what would be a process like that? Or, or is that something you can tell them, the listeners now that they can do on their own of like going through that actual process to get there? I mean, one of the things, just to give you an example, I don't know if this is, has any relevance, but um, one of the things I say, I, I recognize that a lot of women are speaking very meanly to themselves, right? They're, they're saying horrible things to themselves they would never say to a child, right? Oh, you're so stupid. How could you do that? You're, that was a dumb thing to do. And I said, imagine you were saying that to my two and a half year old. <laughs> you wouldn't say that to Maverick, you know, you're so stupid. You know, what yeah. were you thinking? That was a dumb thing. And so that perspective sometimes helps them to stop being mean to themselves or saying those things to themselves. And it's like, everybody says like the first step is awareness, right? So it is that awareness that you're actually saying these things but most of us say the worst things in our head to that that we would never say to a child but i'm curious about yeah. some of the strategies how do you take them back to that yeah. time because it's hard to remember a oh, time totally, when i wasn't beating myself totally. up or i wasn't yeah so we, we have specific exercises that we go through but just to show you so depending on who you are for example if you are a parent for example and you know sometimes we think in our own heads that oh i was brought up this way or i did that this is what i'm going to do differently and just remember that your kids are your mirror in a way. They absorb and pick up everything that is going on in your life. You are stressed, you are tense, that feeds on them immediately. How you speak on the phone, how you comment on something you've seen in the news or in a magazine is something that is gonna formulate their opinions, which ultimately is what people need to then define later on as unconscious bias because it's inside journeys that happen now. So one exercise you could do as a parent, for example, Robin, is listen to how your little ones just talk to you and ask you to do things sometimes it can sound oh that's so sweet um sometimes give oh hold on a minute that sounds a little mean or like what's with that tone um and that is basically a reflection of probably something you said yourself as well so what you said is directly how they're going to be when they eventually grow up and then that goes into the school cycle when schools open up whenever that is you know things like that so that is one exercise if you're a parent that you can immediately reflect on your own childhood by seeing your own kids and how they react. I can, I can, I, I totally see that. There's one of the things that my son says sometimes and he goes, I want to watch the iPad right now, you know, and it's like right now. And I'm like, geez, he's so demand. I'm like, I'm like, honey, you know, and I have to have a talk with him. But then I hear myself and I'm like, honey, I need you to come brush your teeth right now. Right. And it's like very similar, but it's like, I want him to brush his teeth right now, but he wants to watch the iPad or do something like that right now. And at the same token, like good and bad, right? I see him. It's really funny. We, when he gets sad, he says, I'm sad. Or if we, we tell him, we teach him to say, I want attention. So if he wants attention, like there's nothing wrong with that. Like you want attention, you know, he has a younger sister. So we want him to be able to ask. And he says, you know, I want attention. Okay. What do you want? No, give you a hug, give you whatever. And then we talk about how you get to choose, like if you're happy or sad, because he often goes in this pattern. I'm sad mostly because he's not getting what he wants. Right. So then I don't know if you remember from Madagascar, but there's like a part in Madagascar and those of you just listening, you won't be able to see my face, but where <laughs> the, they play this game, like uh, the lion and his dad kind of go like this, you know, cover their face. And then he's like smiling. And then he goes, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, yeah. Smile and the, and the, uh, the frown and stuff. So my son does that. And then like, if he's in a bad mood, we just like pop him out by like doing this, like, you know, get him all, all smiling again. But I think it's, it's twofold, right? It's like, that's the amazing thing is there, you can just make this imprint on your kids, like the good stuff that goes, you know, comes from you and uh, the bad stuff, right? The right now, like the demanding side of it as well. So that's, I love that exercise. That's cool. And I, yeah. I recognize that in myself as well. Cool. Yeah. And so that's something that we can all do, like as a parent, for example, and that is yeah. ultimately 
it takes us back to our youth as well, you know, where we would hear things. And sometimes, you know, a lot of times, oh gosh, I think I've just turned into my mom. We all have those moments, mm-hmm. right? Where we kind of do things that we think, oh gosh, you know, and that's the same thing. Our kids will ultimately evolve and mold because of we are their influences right now, especially during quarantine. They're only seeing us, you know? Um, so it's a very influential time for them and a way of really shaping the next generation of leaders as well. But it also teaches us about how we can conduct ourselves. We might do things and forget about it, but how you are, your tone, taking a step back to listen first before just sort of saying something makes a big difference. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And if they don't have kids, is there anything you do differently or is there? Yeah, just different exercises. It's almost like, um, you know, we have some exercises to kind of almost take you back, um, kind of some fun things that we can do. But other ones as well is about, you know, confidence is one of the big, confidence and reliving what is that inner voice? What is your passion? So it's really ways of, finding out what drives you what is it that drives it It could be exercise it could be something on the outside world that drives you and remembering that and that how it sort of um influences your life today and bringing some of those positive moments into how you're going to conduct yourself in the future in the olden day um in the olden day i'm talking about even last year um (laughs) one personal life that is now completely entwined because of lockdown, quarantine and whatnot, but also going forward, everybody's now encouraged to share about their personal lives, their feelings, whereas before you had to bottle up. Hmm. Part of that completely comes from how you are as a leader. Your team is gonna feel more comfortable sharing and seeing you as being that go-to person if you lead by example. You know, vulnerability is something that previously you never saw in a leader. There would be, you know, somebody who which is rock solid and stone. These days you see someone vulnerable, you actually respect them more for it. So it's a different view on what as what you would say as a leader as well and what they're going through. But not just that, how do they come about it? What do they do to get over challenges? People want to see the success stories. So I would tell people all the time, you know, be yourself a bit more, let those examples come out, but share those stories, successes and failures and how you came about them as well. I love that. And I'm sharing vulnerabilities all the time because I got a lot of things to be vulnerable about. But um, tell, would you share a vulnerability and like something you've overcome? Because that would be really great. Um, before we, I, I have a couple other things I want to ask, but um, I'd love to hear something that you've overcome and a vulnerability that you've had because you look like you got everything together and no one would ever guess that you had any challenges whatsoever. So um, please oh, tell me I'm wrong. So, um, rewind back six months quarantine everything gets started um my entire family we all contracted the coronavirus we all got sick i think i probably picked it up actually i was in london for work i must have picked it up at some point during my events or you know some somewhere brought it back um luckily i was quite mild in terms of symptoms but you still feel really bad you know you are exhausted you are still going through something so coming back, you know, my, my husband soon gets it after me and he, he unfortunately wasn't so mild. So he, you know, we had to, so from my perspective, I was recovering, going through the rounds as well. Cause when you recover, you don't even know how long this thing's going to last for right. good, good, good proper three weeks. It was for me anyway, my kids were still very much needed to be homeschooled. So I had to do that. And then my husband, I just needed to look after him as well. Um, he was out of commission for a good few weeks. So it's almost like a, a joke about it. Looking after three kids, recovering myself running uma still full time because i have different locations and different time zones i'm managing and holding it all together oh and oh we can't go grocery shopping because we were in strict quarantine we're relying on home deliveries but oh yes there were no delivery slots so woohoo everything all at once was challenging you know what did i do you know 
I acknowledged it. I wasn't like, you know, I, you know, I called up friends of mine just to, to moan at times and just to ask for help. And I think that is part of how do you overcome things? You know, do you just give up and sort of curl up in a ball? It's so tempting to do that sometimes, especially when you're not feeling well, but you've got to get on with it. You know, to the point about the kids and how they see you, they were looking at me. I was their, their rock for them. You know, how they see me deal with challenges is real life. You know, there was one point we were all sharing devices for a bit, you know, and this was my work device. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and just managing that as well and having meetings deleted off my calendar because my five-year-old was like, whoops, what's, what's over there, you know? Um, really wow, that's awesome. And I love that you shared that because I feel like so many people are even scared to tell anyone I got the virus, you know, um, and like as if you're trying to spread it or something. I mean, like, yeah, right? it's crazy, like it's, and it's so horrible. So I'm sorry that you had to deal with that, but I, I always say to my clients, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So <laughs> absolutely, um, I do believe that. So, so um, I also, I just want to ask a, a few more things, but one of my, it seems obvious, but I think just the listeners hearing this, like to, to get them to rise up and step up as leaders, like, why do you think it's so important that we do have more success with women and uh, increase the footprint of women um, in any male-dominant industry or just in general, um, and as well as minorities. Why is that so important to you? Because obviously you have a whole you know, foundation around it and that's what you do every single day. So what is the driver, driver for that? And what do you feel like kind of is, is what you see as the end result because of it that you want to, to create? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, Robin. I mean, a couple of things. One is naturally anyway, women and their personalities are more suited for leadership. If you look at leadership traits, what makes people listen, what governs, if you look at successful female role models around the world that are in these leadership positions and, and their traits, it's something naturally we all have. But other than that, if you look from a business perspective, you know, McKinsey did a study um, about a year or so ago now that shows you that if women and men were absolutely equal, you know, household duties in the economy, sharing responsibilities were both in the workforce at the same time, the global GDP would increase by $25 trillion. That in itself is out of this world. So I think if you were to make a business case, that is it right there. <laughs> you know, having women, having minorities in the workforce does absolutely that. It is greater for everybody in the long run and it should absolutely be done. So I think if anything, what I'm doing, what you're doing, Robin, is we're just helping build what is also already natural and supposed to be happening anyway. Awesome. I love that. Any advice you'd give the women listening here? Like what specifically would you tell them? I would say that, you know what, if you're going on a leadership journey, A, congratulations for doing that, <laughs> number one, but just be yourself. Think about what are your skill sets and thinking about, you know, you're not just looking at how you're going to progress to the next level, but you're thinking about the people that you're managing as well. How can you look after people of different personalities and different teams? And you just have to do it in a very structured, strategic way. Um, and also just keep yourself out there, you know, don't ever forget to always be networking and sort of reaching out to that next generation of leaders, even ahead of you. Even if you're at the top, there's always someone who's higher up in another firm, in another organization, always be current, always be at the forefront. So when people are having discussions about board positions or different roles, your name is on the tip of their tongue. It needs to be out there. So don't forget to network only because you might already be in a leadership position. Put yourself out there constantly. I just want to add one thing to that because I think a lot of, oh, I'm getting an echo there, but a lot of the women are associated with some company, right? And um, I don't even want to say the names just in case, but um, they're associated, like you were associated with Goldman Sachs, right? And Goldman Sachs has a very like great brand. I mean, we, we have 
visions when we think of Goldman Sachs we think high end ultra net worth like all these things right and so I think sometimes these women forget that they need to have their own personal brand and and be their own leader in their own right and kind of lean on that in a way because that's what they're taught in the industry to kind of do things like the same way that everybody else does it and what you just said reminded me of the importance of just being true to who you are mm -hmm. and knowing that you are you and to keep striving to become a better version of yourself to attract the right people to you and to and to help more people in the world so i love that and i think that's huge um so awesome thank you so much this was amazing uh just tell them where they could find you and your resources so they can get more of rita <laughs> absolutely so actually just to end there it's like so our tagline is actually be bold be you be uma for that very reason that you've just stated robin um so yeah so to get in touch with us we um you know feel free to contact us via our website which is www.bebouldbeuma.com um also our handle on social media instagram um facebook twitter is all at bebouldbeuma um we also have a really active youtube channel as well um we have lots of videos and empowerment journeys on there career tips as well for leadership for anything really whether you're in the work coming back to the workforce you're already established or you're a manager looking to progress so do check us our youtube as well um if you go to our instagram you can see a link tree and you can kind of access everything on there too um yeah please get in touch and we'll see how we can help you Awesome. Thank you so much. That was amazing. That was so valuable. So thank you so much. Make sure you go check out Rita Kakati Shah. Hey, hey, I said it right. The whole thing all together. All right. Thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Robin. Bye. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.